uh, just be praying for them. They're going to have a great time together. Uh, also, I uh, just want to let you know that some of you who have been at the church for a long period of time, Frances Otto passed away this week, and uh, so uh, there will be a service for her on Tuesday uh, in Whittier and be praying for the family. Uh, she uh, really had a delightful relationship with the Lord and, uh, and in many ways impact people. I was uh, reading and talking with Pamela, and she did Good News Clubs, and uh, an amazing thing happened to her a couple of weeks ago. She went to a Christian, well, actually, probably a few months ago, she went to a, a Christian woman's uh, meeting in which basically the gals gather together, and then someone shares a testimony, and unbeknownst to her and the speaker is that they knew each other, and she was sharing that she would not be where she is. She would not be a Christian if it wasn't for a, a woman in her life named Frances Otto. And she didn't know she was in the room, and um, she didn't know she was one that had been in her home uh, where she heard the gospel message. And, and we think about what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about getting out the message of hope and getting out the message of peace, opening up our homes, our lives, to be involved in other people, uh, connect them, share them the good news about Jesus, and that's what it's all about. And so this morning, as uh, we prepare our hearts for a time in God's Word, let's look to the Lord one more time in prayer as we ask God to take the time wisely as we look at God's Word this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your Word that speaks in our lives, and we pray that we might uh, be in this season of understanding this is, this is the, the beginning of um, the story of Christ coming for us and and then that journey that went to the cross. And this is, this is where our hope is realized and our peace is given. And help us to understand that deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was preparing this morning, I was um, kind of brought back to that, that very basic question. You know, why do we spend time in God's Word? Why, why do we go to this book? Well, there's many ways you can answer that. But primarily or fundamentally, you could say we, we go to this book because we want to discover God's plan for our life. And God's plan, not only for our lives, for anyone's life. And that's why Christmas happened, because God has a plan for this world. And then as we think about discovering God's plan, we say, well, how do we discover God's plan out of this book? Well, there's basically two things that you do when you go to this book. You go to this book and you try to see God through the pages of Scripture. And then hopefully you also try to see yourself through the pages of Scripture. Now, I've looked everywhere in here. My name's not in here. But hopefully you can do what we all do is try to identify with the people he God did use who are like our nature, just like us, going through life as we uh, experience it, but see how they can connect with God and then connect with his plan. So this morning what I want to do, I do want to do a couple very simple things. I, I want us to go to that beginning book, the book of Genesis, and see ourselves in that book. And then we also want to go to that book and see God in that book. And in many ways, that's what we always do. But we're going to kind of look at that as the, the two major things we want to see this morning. We want to see ourselves in the book of Genesis. And then we want to see God in the book of Genesis. And particularly, we want to see Christ in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 24. And this is the book of beginnings. And many have said that this is a fundamental book in the Bible of the 66 books. You, you better get a handle on this or you'll not get a handle on God's plan. And you really won't see God clearly unless you understand the book of Genesis. We come to a somewhat unique chapter in the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, after the 
uh, second service last Sunday, someone was reading ahead and they said, Genesis 24 is one of my favorite, if not the favorite chapter of mine in the book of Genesis. Not only is it a favorite chapter in many ways, because it has some significant things for us to see about God's plan and discovering God's will, and you can probably make that synonymous, God's plan is God's will, but it's also the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It's 67 verses long. Now, if you've ever been with me, and most of you have, that's a challenge for me because we only have so much time to talk about a significant length of, of chapter that we've kind of dedicated ourselves to look at. And that's why in the midst of the detail, I, I want to remind you what we're trying to do this morning. We want to see ourselves in Genesis, and we want to see God in Genesis. We want to identify what's going on there. And probably the broader picture is, how does that fit with God's plan? If you can see yourself and you can see, your, uh, you can see God, then you'll be able to see God's plan for you. Now, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the ma- four main characters and we're going to see ourselves in those characters, and then we're going to look back, and we're going to see God in it as well. But we're going to begin with seeing ourselves in the book of Genesis. Now, in your outline this morning, and these will be things you can put a handle on, uh, the, the four major characters are Abraham, Isaac, a servant, and Rebekah. And those four characters we can relate to in this way, in that Abraham is the parent. And as we think about each one of us here, One of the things that we all have in common is that each of us have had a parent. Now, that parent might be in a variety of different shades of whatever color it was as you grew up. It might be a step-parent. It might be a foster parent. It might have a parent be a parent who was A-W-O-L, wasn't around. Or it might be both a father and 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 a mother. But each of us got into this world because we had a parent. Now, Isaac is, is the son, or if we want to broaden, he's the child. And one thing we have in common, all of us, is there were a time in which all of us were a, a child. And then the servant, hopefully you can identify this, as you've gone through life, each of us have had friends. And this is the best friend. This is the BFF, of particularly of Abraham. And we're going to see later on, I think Isaac would also say that as well. This is my best friend because he's the one who's going to introduce me to my wife, my life partner. And if you remember in high school, sometimes what happened, uh, usually you'd hear about the, the lady doing this, but sometimes it would be the guys as well. Well, you go find out from my friends whether that person likes me or not. You know, you're too afraid to ask yourself, so you ask someone else because you don't want to be shut down. You don't want to be rejected. So find out from somebody else whether that person is truly a prospect. And, and really, that's who Rebecca is. Rebecca is the prospect. And so we have the parent, we have the child, and particularly the son. We have... Uh, the servant who is the best friend, and then we have Rebecca who is the prospect. And what we have here, we have God's plan and God's will carried out, particularly in an area in which the vast majority of us participate in, if not all of us will participate in, and that is finding a life partner. Uh, how, how are we supposed to discover who we ought to hook ourselves up with for the rest of our lives? And, and it, hopefully we would do it according to God's will and God's plan, not our own. Okay? That's a journey. In case you want some statistics, uh, right now, 59% of people in America are married, which means 41% are not married. So there's prospects out there, right? And then as you think about that, there are 24... <laughs> I see a hand back there. Bless you, my son. All right. 
And some people need a little bit more prayer than others and a little more help. All right. Um, and as you're thinking about the statistic of, of that percentage that is in America, I want to let you know that there are 24% of people in America that have never been married. And let me just say this. God is concerned about every single marriage. And not only every single marriage that happens, but every single marriage that doesn't happen. And for some of you, you ought to be praising God that you have not been married. And maybe praising God that God's plan for you is that you will never be married. Because you're going to be saved from a lot of grief and pain. Now, there's a lot of joy out there, but the potential of grief and pain is there as well. Now, in case you're wondering, out of that 24% that have never been married that are in our population today, how many of them will eventually be married or at least try to be married? And the latest statistic I read, by the age 55, 95% of Americans will have tried marriage at least once. Now, we need to recognize, however, even though people have tried it, some people have not done very well with it. And we know that the basic... Agreed statistic. It's um, it's battle depending how you look at the statistic. But fifty percent of people who get married, what, don't stay married. They, they they at least lose it once. Now the reality is, those who try it again, it's a seventy percent chance you're going to get a, another divorce. And, and the impact of that is it has a rippling effect. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it affects not only your relationship and particularly for the for the ladies here. Uh, you get the brunt of that. One statistic I read is that for every woman that gets divorced, her um, net worth or her income uh, depreciates 45%. And as you think of the impact it has on children, and there's all kinds of statistics out there, just sharing with you the most recent I came with. In 1996, children divorced were 50% more likely than their counterparts from intact uh, families to divorce themselves. In other words, even though 50% of people get divorced, that goes up another 50% if you've come from a family who's been divorced. Fatherless homes account for 63% of youth suicides, 90% of homeless runaway children, 85% of children with behavior problems, 71% of high school dropouts, 85% of youth in prison, and over 50% of teen mothers. I think it's, it is not overstating the case that God is concerned for people to be living according to his, his plan, because when we don't live according to his, his plan, then all kinds of messes happen. And as we think about this, this, this adventure called marriage that so many people try, that if you aren't connected to God's plan on it, there's going to be a lot of pain. It's not going to be only in your life. There's going to be a ripple effect. And so as we think about that this morning, and even as I speak into this congregation this morning, I know over half of you have already experienced that. You are living within homes or relationships where the marriage home has become fractured. Now, we have already talked the last two weeks on our Christmas journey that God gives hope and God gives peace and God is able to restore, but it's a challenge, isn't it? And so what we want to talk today about is is following God's plan. And there's, again, to broaden this another dimension. These principles that we'll be talking about in many ways uh, can be applied in just discovering God's will in any area of life. And hopefully you can maybe connect some of those dots. And um, I'm going to encourage you to, to do this week's uh, uh, sermon-based Bible study. I know some of the groups are doing parties and things like that, but you still have to do your homework. Um, is, uh, there's some principles in there related as well. 
But, but, but what should we see as we look in this particular chapter, and we're not going to read all 67 verses, that, that God does in leading uh, to discover the plan and discovering who God wants us to be involved with as we seek out a life partner. Well, let's look at it this morning. What's on your must list? And I was reading a couple of weeks ago about someone who came up with his own must list. And, uh, and so I came up with a must list from, from God's uh, word as well. Let's begin with it. First of all, and, and these, these aren't overly, you know, as some people say, esoteric, something out there mysterious. That, oh, man, that was, I can't even imagine. How did you come up with this? These are just wisdom issues that God lays out and says, look, if you follow my, my plan, it makes sense. All right. First statement on the must list. You must not pursue the wrong person. Anyone want to say amen to that? Amen. Don't, don't get married to the wrong person. Abraham, Genesis chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age. He, he was older than I am. In case some of you think, I, someone, you, know, you know what someone did on my, on my office it says senior pastor. And I don't know where that started, but someone changed it just recently. Once I turned into another decade and they put elderly pastor, not not senior pastor, but elderly pastors. Well, well, let me just say Abraham was advanced. He was 80 years older than I am. OK, he was 140. All right. He was well advanced in years and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. But there was an area where Abraham was concerned. Verse two. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house and his oldest servant is his best. What? Best friend. All right. You guys are still with me. All right. Who ruled over all that he had. And he said, please put your hand under, under my thigh. And we won't try to describe what that is. But basically, it was a statement. This is very important to me. All right. Uh, verse three. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So I guess you it's pretty plain there. Okay, I, I want you to be the one who goes before my son to to pick out one that will be his life partner. And first of all, what I want to talk to you is in the negative. Don't pick out the wrong person. And the way to pick out the wrong person and to go to the wrong place to find the right person. So the, as we look at our world that we're living in, in this promised land, it is basically filled with people who have no faith in the true God. And you need to go fishing in that pond where there is a person who knows God. So, so the wrong person is the person who does not have faith in the true God. Now, now sidebar here for a moment. Whomever you're married to now, that's the right person for you now. But if you have a choice, find a person now who is of like faith. With you, I got to I got to share this for, for well, we'll make one more point, and then I'll share something for free. All right. So number one, you must not pursue the wrong person. And in case you don't get some of the filling in the dots for how this would work in any part of God's will, you must not follow that which is not the right thing for you to do the wrong thing to do. So you think, well, what's God's will for my life? Is it all right to do something that's wrong? No, it's never right to do wrong. Okay, so that you could apply many of these principles in a lot of different ways. Secondly, and this is the positive side, you must pursue the right person. And this is what he says in verse 4. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. 
And so he says, okay, you, you can't pick the wrong person in a place where there is no faith. Go to a place where there is faith and pick the right person. Now, what was significant to me is, as I was looking about this is, is the role of the dad. I, can I be self-serving just for a moment? All right. Is, um, you, there's, I don't know even where that, the cultural thing part of it happened, but where, where if someone um, propose, or wants to propose to your daughter what they ought to do is they ought to go, first of all, speak to their, what? Father. Their father. Now, I think that's great. I think that, that, you know, I ought to have, you know, veto power over anyone that wants to marry my daughter. But, you know, it's interesting here. This is a child, but this is particularly a child who is a, not a daughter, but a son. And so, actually, I think it ought to work for both genders, okay, that, that who, who am, whomever, my sons want to marry, they ought to first talk to my dad because, you know, he's instrumental in getting the, the friend to go pick one out for, for Isaac and things like that. So I just want to let you know that at least the, the two sons of mine that are married, that I, I remember distinctly uh, my son Tim talking to me and, and uh, conversing about Jenny and uh, was this going to be, you know, he was excited about that. What did I think? And I, and I gave total approval. I thought, I thought it'd be a great life partner. And I remember Mark talking about Lori and what I thought. And, and I said, no, then I, in fact, I said, man, you better get her before somebody else gets her, you know? (laughs) In fact, I I did have it. I have to mention this though. I did have a chance to talk to Lori and I, and when Lori asked me about Mark, I said, are are you sure you can't do better than him? (laughs) But you know, she, she settled and got Mark. And so it's, it's working all right. But, you know, it, it's important you, you, you don't get the wrong person, and it's important you get the right person. I, I couldn't resist that temptation. All right. So, thirdly, and, and here's, here's where God comes in on this. They say, well, yeah, but I've been searching out there, and I'm, I'm shooting blanks. I can't, I can't find somebody. All right? Well, let's look what the story uh, says about God sending out the, the best friend, the servant. Verse 5, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me in this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you come? I mean, it's one thing to give me that assignment, but I, I can't control. I can't control. I, I, I pick the right one out, which I think the right one is, not the wrong one. And I say, hey, you got to come with me and meet this person you've never seen, don't know anything about other than what I tell you. What if she says what? No. And and. and and Abraham has to respond to that, all right? Verse 6, but Abraham said to him, the servant, beware that you do not take my son back there. In fact, he's probably reading and implying this. Well, you're not too confident of your own abilities to pick out the right person. You might be saying, well, why don't we bring Isaac with me? He says, that's not an option in this particular case because if Isaac goes there, he might not what? Come back, all right? You've got to stay with my family rather than your family. So he said, I don't want that to happen. Isaac's supposed to be here in the promised land. Verse 7, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants, I give this land. In other words, I had to leave my land, and we're in this particular spot that God wants us to be. And then he says this, he, that God who brought me here, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Now, it, it, it's not reading of the text to simply make the conclusion of this, is that God's going to be a part of this, this whole program. Now, here he says, I'm going to tell you even how he's going to do it. He's going to send a heavenly messenger, and that's what basically an angel that we talk about. He's a messenger from heaven to, to go before you and help accomplish what needs to happen so you get the right person for my son. And all I want to say here is we think about God 
And this, let's put ourselves in that best friend, that servant's responsibility and perspective. So how am I supposed to get this to happen? I mean, there's limits to what I can do. And that's true for every one of us. But what we need to trust in as we follow God's plan, we do everything that we can. We follow the instructions. And there were detailed instructions that Abraham, the parent, gave to servant, best friend, to accomplish his intended will, the father's will, to get Isaac involved in God's plan, getting the right person. And there were very specific instructions. But he said, what if I do all of that and it doesn't happen? And he says, just trust God. Trust that God will arrange the circumstances to have happen what needs to happen. Now, there's probably many areas in our life that we can look back and say, well, God, God, I'll trust you, but it doesn't seem to be happening. And God says, trust me, just do your part. What's our part? To do everything that we can that's following the instructions of God's word and then let God move. And just in case <laughs> the servant had to have a, a get out of jail card, he says this, if, if you don't think it's working, just understand this, verse 8. And, the, and, the woman, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Now, Abraham knew that God was going to do what he had promised to do. But if it is the case, if it doesn't happen, and we don't know God's future, we, we've experienced the past, we're trying to live for God in the present, whatever the future, the details of that, we do not know. But we are called to trust him. And if what we intended to happen, what we are surmising to happen doesn't happen, then we just have to simply say, well, that was God's will. I've done my part. God is capable of moving all kinds of circumstances to happen. Uh, share one life story. I remember in the olden days when I was not advanced in age and elderly pastor. In fact, I don't know why they don't care. Yeah, they, used to, you know, they used to call me a youth pastor, which means I was young, all right? A youth pastor. Well, I remember um, you know, working with junior high and high school and college students, and I remember a, a, a guy who's a really good friend of mine now named Rick. He came into the college department, and he had actually spent time in the military, and he came, and we were just starting our college ministry, and we had probably 20, 25 people, but he's looking around, he's looking at the prospects. A lot of them were a little bit younger than him, and he said, you know, I, I love being going to church, I love being involved in this ministry here, but man, I... I don't see a lot of prospects for me. I've got to go fishing in another pond. And I said, well, if that's God's will for you, but pray about it, just, you know, just seek God. If, if, if you think that you can grow more spiritually and be used of God more in another place, and go there. And, um, but that ought to be first. And then if you know, the option is open, then, and he began to pray. He says, you know, God hasn't released me from being involved here because I know I'm growing and, I'm, and God's you know, using me. And I, I believe I need to stay here, but I, I am kind of fearful. I don't have... I don't have too many prospects I'm seeing out there around my age. And I said, well, you know, yeah, trust God. I know that's, a, that's kind of what we do here, but, you know, we're supposed to trust God and, and trust that he'll provide. And, and then all of a sudden, the next week, <laughs> Patsy came. And a year later, they were married. Now, providentially, when we're in God's will, God can move the circumstances. And he can move people to bring the right person in your life. Now, I'm not promising tomorrow that's when it's going to happen to you. But God will move people to accomplish his will. He will move circumstances 
our responsibility is to do what he's instructed us to do and then allow him to move. So what's on the must list? Uh, We must not pursue the wrong person. We must pursue the right person. We must trust in God's providence. Uh, Fourthly, you must pray for God's guidance. Uh, Move up to verse 12. The servant goes out, takes 10 camels with him, a bunch of other men, goes out 450 miles away back to the, uh, the land of, of Abraham's family uh, where he had influenced them for faith. And then in verse 12, it says this. Then he said, O Lord God of my master, this is servant, Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Sometimes we forget to do that which is most obvious, isn't it? God has called us to be people who depend upon him and seek his guidance. And the way that happens is when we talk to him. God, I, I, I need you to lead me. I need, if it's going to be successful, you've got to do it. I'll do everything I can. But God, you've got to move in the hearts of, of that one individual that you want me to go to. And you need to move the circumstances where I'll be able to determine this is the right one. How many things that have not happened in our life did not happen simply because we did not talk to God? And even if God moved, we would notice that he had moved it because we weren't ready for his answer. So what are the must? (laughs) Don't go after the wrong person. You must pursue the right person. You must trust in God's providence and you must pray for God's guidance. And then fifthly, and again, this is a broader principle in all kinds of God's will, but you must know what you're asking, looking for. If you're going out there and trying to find a life partner, what is it you're looking for? And hopefully some of these things have already drifted in, but you better have some kind of an idea. And that's true, again, in terms of God's will, whether it's a source of employment, where you're going to live, what you're going to do, all those kind of things. You better have an idea of how God has gifted you, how he's made you, what are your options. You must know what you're looking for. Now, I just want to just to make a bullet point uh, illustration of what happens here. All right. Uh, turn to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 24, verses 16 and 17. So he prays uh, this. Um, the ladies from the, the town come out and basically the ladies, they would they would get water for the households in the evening when it was when it was a little bit cooler. They had that chore. Uh, the men were doing other things. Um, and then in verse 16 and 17, uh, we have this experience where he's praying about it. And all of a sudden, this woman comes uh, directly related to some of the things he had specifically prayed about. And he says this. Now, the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher up and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Now. Even though this is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, I'm sure everything that happened in this journey 450 miles from Abraham's home to his, his father's land and all the things that led up to it, we didn't get all the details. But we have a detail here is that when this servant saw who was going to be Rebecca, this young woman, he makes a comment that she is very what? Beautiful. And so I would, I would simply make this point. Uh, as you... Look for someone for a life partner. Uh, You ought to look for someone who is attractive to you. You know, in reading this individual's um, must list on this blog page, uh, one of the things that that he said was, I'm looking for someone who is beautiful on the inside and on the outside. 
Now, again, and the issue is beautiful on the inside and outside to me. There's all kinds of packages out there. And there's all kinds of things that you're looking for. But if you're looking for someone, find someone that's attractive to you on the inside and on the outside. And it better be in, uh, in both places. Because beauty on the inside leaks out on the outside. But beauty on the outside won't necessarily leak onto the inside. And there's all kinds of things that will just attract you to a person. You don't have to settle. God will bring you the right person. Secondly, someone who is gracious. Look at verse 18. So she said, oh, and I was going to say this. Interesting about this is that when he sees this young woman, Rebecca, he runs up to her and talks to her. Sometimes you wonder, well, how, how am I, how am I, I'm kind of attracted to that person. I'm kind of interested in that person. What, 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 what should I do? How about talk to her? I mean, guys, man, some, some guys, I'm just, I mean, I mean, Guys are kind of slow. I mean, they, they, they don't know. Just go up and say hi. All right. You, you don't have to have a, a cute line. You don't have to have something that's going to wow her with some creative. Just say hi and see what happens. All right. Man. All right. So he runs up and says hi to her. Now, right there, she could have turned him down. Right. I mean, if you say hi and they don't say hi back, it's probably, well, this is not going too well. All right. Um, all right. So she is gracious in many ways. Verse 18. So she says, she talks back to him, drink my Lord. And the Lord there was not a, a, an issue of deity. It was an issue of respect. Then she quickly let her, uh, let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. You know, she, she responded to his, his uh, greeting her and uh, was generous and giving, and giving her a drink. Okay. Uh, so some, find someone who's attractive to you, find someone who's gracious, and then find someone who is, this is kind of a boring word, but find someone who is industrious. Or if I would put in a, find someone who is lazy. Or if I want to put in, find someone who is generous, all right? Uh, look what happens next. Okay, verse 19. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. And then she adds this phrase, until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her... Oh, we'll stop right there. Yeah, I want you to think about that. If, if you go after a person who is lazy before you marry, guess what's going to happen afterwards? They're going to be a slug, all right? And, and look at... She not only gave him you know, the time of day, gave him a drink. She looked at his knees and said, look, you've been traveling. I can see you've been traveling from a long distance. And I'm going to give water to your camels. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, if it was that was going the extra mile. I mean, 10 camels. I, I was reading they drink anywhere if they're thirsty, you know, if you need 10 and 25 gallons of water. Now, she had to go down to get the water and bring it back up. Now, there's only so much water you can carry. She was taking multiple trips to allow each one of those camels to be filled with water. This is not a little doggy pan where you put a little bit of water in here. <laughs> As you look at a person, they need to be beautiful on the inside and outside. And they've got to be a person who's filled with energy to do life. And they're not waiting to be waited on. They're looking to be a person who waits on others. And hopefully both partners see that. They're both to be contributing completely and fully 
in that relationship. Uh, someone who's attractive, someone who's gracious, someone who's industrious. And I just want to, I, I say verse 21 for this reason, and we're running out of time. But the, verse 21, and, and the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Now, to give Mark a bad time again this morning. Uh, some of us after a while said, what are you waiting so long for? I right? popped the question. All right. Is that. But, you know, as we think about discerning God's will, you want to make sure it's God's will. And even all of these things had lined up. The servant saying, I, I want to make sure. God's in it. And see, that's part of the, the challenge, too. I, I remember. I don't know if I shared this story before. I, I remember when I was in Banning that this. Um, these people that were in their late 60s, much older than me. They, they were in the late, and, and they came up to me and they, they said they wanted to get married. And uh, the one person I would, had, was just meeting, the other person had been in our church for a number of years. And I said, I said well, how long have you known each other? Three days. <laughs> now, we do have a family in here where that marriage kind of happened that quick as well. But, you know, usually... Usually three days is quite enough to know for sure that's the right person for you. And even Isaac, who even Isaac's best friend and Abraham's best friend, you know, he says, I'm, I want to check this out. And we see it, it proceeds to be a thing that God confirms. So who should you look for? Look for someone who's attractive to you, who's gracious, who's industrious. Uh, you could also say who's hospitable. Look at verses uh, uh, 23 and 24. He asked asked her a question. He said, "Uh, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? He has 10 camels. He has probably at least 10 of the guys with him because they're riding the camels. Uh, Then the man bowed down his head. uh, No, uh, verse 24. So she said to the Lord, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed Enough and room to lodge. Now, she has to run later on to confirm that that was actually the case, that they would allow them to stay. But she was very open to share what they had with those in need. Hospitable really means a person who is a lover of stranger, and you could say a lover of people. And she had an open heart. She had open hands, not closed hands. That's the kind of person you want to go after. Then quickly, uh, you ought to find someone who you can praise God for. Look at verses 26 or 28. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young man ran and told her mother's household these things. And the same thing is repeated later on. He gives praise to God. For bringing this person into her life. And one thing you ought to know about God's plan. When you're in God's plan. When you're in God's will. Then God is deserving God's praise. Do you recognize it's the hand of God moving in your life? And then finally I would say. Someone who eagerly wants to obey the Lord. Look at verses 55 through 58. And again, there's the backstory here. We're not sharing this. As it comes to a point, it gets confirmed not only in Rebecca's heart, but also her family's heart. In fact, they come to the point where the question is asked not only of Rebecca, but it's asked of the family. And they say, well, what are we going to say after we hear all that you've done? We can't argue with God. This has got to be from God. 
And then they want to hold on to their daughter at least a little bit longer. They want to hold on for 10 days, and, and he wants to take her back immediately. And then they say, well, okay, we'll ask, we'll ask our daughter, verse 55. But her brother and mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10. After that, she may go. And he said, or do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And verse 57, and they said, we will call the young woman, ask her personally. And when they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And really what she had discerned, this was God's will. And when she understood what God's will, she said yes. And so when you're looking for a person, you're looking for a person who, when they know God's will, the issue is settled. Because they say yes to God's plan for their life. What's the point this morning? The point this morning is that that God wants us to see ourselves in his plan. He he wants us to see ourselves in scripture. He, He wants to see that providentially, which means that he arranges circumstances and people to accomplish his will to be done. And our part is to obey the instructions, trust him, pray for guidance. Know what we're looking for. And then when we see God's hand, then we accept it completely and fully. That seeing ourself. Quickly, quickly. How do we see God in this? And we've already seen God in this because what God has done is he's arranged things for things to happen according to his plan. But there's a bigger picture here. Just like we've seen that so many times in the book of Genesis. Because we can see in each one of these main characters, the character behind the character. Who does Abraham represent? He represents the heavenly father. Who does Isaac represent? He represents the son, God, the son, Jesus, who was sent. Who does the servant represent? The unnamed servant. He represents the Holy Spirit. And who does Rebecca represent? She represents the bride, the bride that's given to the son, the bride that's given to Christ. And and as you see this, and in fact, if I was to rephrase it, I would rephrase it in a number of different ways. But number one, Abraham is the father who is willing to offer up his only son whom he loves. But to put it in another simpler way, he is the one, the heavenly father, who is seeking a bride for his son, who is Isaac. Isaac, as we've already known, he is the one who is willing to be obedient as an offering unto death. But beyond that, he's not only the one who does that. He's the one who needs a bride. The father is seeking a bride for his son, the heavenly father. The son is the one who needs a bride. And that's why Jesus goes to the cross for us to purchase a bride for himself. Who is the servant, the unnamed servant, the Holy Spirit? He is the one who finds the bride for the son. And who is Rebecca? Rebecca is the one willing to leave her old life for a new life, but Rebecca is the bride. And hopefully, as you see this Christmas, this Christmas is more than, again, <laughs> the lights and the trees and the packages and the, and the parties. It, it, it's the story of the Heavenly Father looking down at life and seeing all the desperate needs of the people he's created. And so he sends his son, his son, to, to, to gather up these people to be part of God's family. And then the servant is sent, the Holy Spirit, to draw people to himself. And, and Rebecca is 
the people who, as they hear the message of that bride, that groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, they make that choice to embrace Him as their Lord and Savior. We miss the story of of seeing God in Scripture and ourselves in Scripture if we don't see that, that God is the Heavenly Father is longing for a son to have a bride and that that bride is wooed to him by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit then draws individuals like Rebecca to say yes to the message of entering into that eternal family. Where are you this morning? Are you seeing yourself in God's plan? Have you made that first step to be part of God's plan? Have you embraced the one who was sent to draw you to himself? And you said yes to him. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this Christmas season, it's the season to to make a choice to, to know whether it's just a beautiful story or it's a story in which we want to be a part of. And Father, you, you sent your son that he might receive a bride that would be part of the eternal family. And just like each bride-to-be may say, must say yes to the groom, so each one of us must say yes to you. Not only as our Lord and Savior, but each day as we live, to live according to your plan. Wherever we're struggling with or being challenged with this morning, either to say yes to you for the very first time or to say yes to you in maybe this most important area of life, finding a life mate, maybe discovering the job you want us to have or pursue. Maybe it's trusting you with our finances or in other relationships, whatever it might be. Might we be like Rebecca, saying yes to your revealed will. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.